0: It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3. Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. With financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory.
1: Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Hello and welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Four Horn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3 Michiana's news channel where our goal every week is to help you take your next wise step in your financial life. I think we can do that today. Guys my name is Mike Bernard and in the studio with me is Joshua Gregory. Kevin is still out uh, from his Liberia trip and then kind of unwinding after that mission trip so he'll be back in the studio next week and then actually has some more travel planned. He's got some conferences and
2: whatnot so hey folks we'll be here. We love you. (laughs) We're working today. That's right. Well, later in the hour, we'll be welcoming back Diane Bennett, who's a realtor with Inspired Team at Remax 100. And we're going to be following up on the discussion that we had with her last week about the housing market. Today, we'll be focusing on selling your house. So if you're thinking about listing your house this year or moving, you'll especially be interested in what Diane has coming up for us.
1: Before Diane joins us in the icebox of a studio here, we've got a few of your questions that we're going to be diving into. And if you have a question for the... Ch- uh, Casey's just shaking his head. I always mess with you.
0: You're them. a hockey player!
1: <laughs> so I like cold, but I can still tease you and mess with you. So, uh, If you have a question for the show, go to wisemoneyradio.com. And you can listen to previous episodes, get more information on the show, and submit a question right there. You can also do it by calling 574 222 2000 and leave your question that way. All right, so before we dive into your questions, earlier this month, an article came out that started creating a little buzz around our office, started getting a little attention. And I thought, gosh, we got to talk about this on the show. So the title of the the article from MarketWatch, the title says, The Inventor of the 401k Says He Created a Monster, which just, of course, would grab your attention, right? So we had to talk about it. Well, it's a market watch article. Anyway, turns out the article, and this is like bad karma. Someone's going to say this about me, but it, it seemed like a fluff piece relating yeah. to a different article that actually was an interview and article combination that came out in 2013. I don't think it was intended as a, as a fluff piece, but kind of stir up those same emotions. So anyway, I, I thought it'd be good for us to talk about both this article and really what the original one was back in 2013. Basically the guy who stumbled upon the 401k, basically the code or this paragraph, I think it's a page, this portion of the Internal Revenue Code called Section 401-K and basically what he thinks of it looking back on it now.
2: Yeah, well the the headline itself would make you wonder are 401k is a bad thing? You know, does he regret ever creating this thing? Is it something that's somehow been bad for society and really the article doesn't take that much of a tone. Right. Um, And in fact, it's one paragraph uh, that's really a long sentence, a run on sentence that talks about how he, he says, I created this monster or it's, it's really just kind of exploded. And he does the the most negative thing that he had to say about the 401k industry right now is just, he, he was referring to the complexity of how plans have evolved and how there's more places for fees to exist and, and things like that. The, the cost structure was one of the, the yep. negatives that he said. But uh, again, this quote happened back in 2011. A lot has changed since even that amount of time. Yep. I, I think this industry, the, this specialized field within financial services, focusing on 401ks, it has gotten more complicated. Yeah. And, um, but, but on the other hand, I think that costs in many ways have been coming down. At least that's been our observation along the way.
1: Yeah, he so Ted Benna, I, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Yeah, this interview was in '11. The article was published in '13, but he he actually stumbled upon this portion of the Internal Revenue Code back in basically 1980. It was written in in 1978. So these things, which are the main vehicle people use to save up for retirement, are not that old. And so he he stumbled upon it in the '80s, and then basically he was a he was a pension consultant. And so he worked with a few clients to start the 401k plan. He had to get prior approval from the IRS and actually Honeywell here in our own backyard was one of the first companies to adopt a 401k plan back in 1983. But, but yeah, he, he does say this, the reason he came up with this strategy was to make it simple, a simple way for employees to benefit, to save up for themselves. And he says, Things have gotten so complicated that he wonders if that's really been the
2: case. Well, and I wonder if he could have envisioned the fact that 401ks would almost completely replace pensions in such a short amount of time So I went
1: back and looked at some of the original articles, and he does regret that as well. He Uh, he didn't foresee that. He knew it was going to be a big deal. He didn't think it was going to be this big, and he didn't think companies were just going to drop pension plans and go mostly to 401ks.
2: You know, I, I wonder if the inventor of a pension... If anyone's ever interviewed that guy or gal <laughs> to say, "Hey, do you ever regret this?" I mean, they've blown up left and right. They've bankrupted companies at times. They they've gotten companies overextended in their commitments to retirees and everything. So, do you regret it? Um, but it, you know, one of the one of the positives, and this is why this topic is so interesting to me, even if the article was a little fluffy, as you said, <laughs> um, th- there is actually a little bit of data in in this article that. It's referring to a survey that the Employee Benefit Research Institute, which is kind of a mouthful there. um, This uh, government-related entity did a survey to, to ask the question, how much money do you have saved or invested outside of your home, so home equity, or a pension plan? Interesting. Okay? Yeah. And what they found is that if you do have access to a 401k plan through work, then there's a 9% chance that you have less than $1,000 saved anywhere. Okay, If you have access to a plan. If you don't have access to a retirement plan, it's 67% of you who have less than 1000 saved. saved oh, wow. anywhere. So there's something going on there in the 401k sphere. I, I think the existence of these types of employer-sponsored plans, they're doing something to improve the saving habits of Americans. Um, because again, if you have access to a plan, there's there's something powerful about having dollars pulled out of your paycheck automatically, reducing your take-home pay, but squirreling away the dollars for a long-term goal like retirement. And we are big, big believers in automating your savings goals. And that's one of the reasons why we love the 401k. It's one of the reasons why I would encourage you, if you're an employer out there and you don't have a retirement plan in place for your employees, this is something that can really benefit them in more ways than just funding their retirement. It helps teach them the skill of saving. And, you know, there's also often educational type sessions that you or the the advisor that that is hosting that plan or advising on that plan can can give. It helps the employees just grow in their own investment knowledge, their own financial savvy.
1: Yeah, I'm actually going to quote one of the things that uh, Ted Benna said said, for all its issues, the 401k's biggest value is that it turns spenders into savers, yeah. which, I, which I love that, especially, we all know, I, well, I, I'm frugal by nature, but I do love spending money, especially on Starbucks coffee or, you know, those sorts of <laughs> things. But as, as uh, you know, Americans, we're known for our spending and for all its issues and maybe Um, side effects, if your consequences, if you will, of the 401k, it does put the oneness on the shoulders of the participant. And I think he's right. Helps to turn people into savers from spenders. And so as Josh mentioned, he mentioned some of the suggestions. If you're, if you're an employer, if you're an employee though, you've obviously heard a lot about 401ks and for you in particular, get started. Be saving. Make sure that you're doing enough to get the full match. But I can't tell you this, Josh, and you've heard it, I'm sure, a ton as well. When I ask a new client, hey, how much are you contributing? They say, I'm contributing the max. Yeah. And then when we dive a little bit deeper, they say, well, I get a match on the first 6%, so I'm doing 6%. Well, no, 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 that's not the, that's not the max. Right. So, so make sure you know how much, you have to do to get the the match from your employer but then also know how much you need to be doing for your own retirement goal
2: and it's no excuse uh you know I, I made the plea to employers out there that don't have a plan for you but even if they don't you still have the ability to save for your own retirement in an automated fashion you can set up a monthly contribution to a roth ira or a traditional ira these plans exist for you so th- there's really no excuse to be in that group that only has 1000 bucks saved somewhere. You're going to need many, many, many multiples of that in order to retire someday. You got it. We've
1: got a few more questions from fans of the show about 401ks that we're going to dive into here in just a moment. And like I said earlier, Diane Bennett is back on the show later on, and we're going to be talking more about the housing market, specifically selling your house. So that and more here on Wise Money with 401 Financial Group on 953MNT.
0: This is Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station.
1: Hello, folks. Welcome back to Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group right here on 95.3 MNC. My name is Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory's in the studio with me. Kevin's not in again, but Diane Bennett will be joining us later in the show. Diane is a realtor with the Inspired team at REMAX 100. Looking forward to continuing our discussion about the real estate market, housing market this year. Uh, If you have a question for the show, we are taking your questions right now. If you have a question, go to wisemoneyradio.com or give us a call, 574-222-2000. Our next question comes from Kristen from South Bend. We were just talking all about 401ks. Here's a great question to kind of accompany that. She says, I have a a few credit cards with higher interest rates, and I'm considering taking a loan from my 401k to pay them off. Maybe that's one of the complications. Ted was referencing. Anyway, my 401k balance is about 85 grand and my total credit card balances add up to about 15,000 and they range from 9% to 25% interest. What do you think? In my case, is a 401k loan a good idea?
2: You know, I, I like the fact that Kristen seems to be thinking about restructuring her debt She seems to be getting more serious about paying off debt, that sort of thing. But, you know, this question, it falls very squarely in the first of the six areas of financial planning, which we refer to as your present financial position. And we're often talking about how you structure your assets and your debts can make a big difference in your ability to reach your goals. It's also where we talk about cash flow. And I see this actually very much as a cash flow question. Um, you know, the, the fact that she's got $15,000 worth of credit card debts, she may be thinking, Kristen, you may be thinking that you have a debt structuring problem. Mm. I believe that this is really more of a debt structuring symptom to a cash flow problem. What we don't know is, is it a past cash flow problem or is it something that's happening in the present right now oh, how did this credit card debt come about somewhere along the line you made the decision or maybe it was a series of decisions that you were going to spend dollars that you haven't earned yet and the credit card companies are the ones that facilitated that and it may have been due to some financial crisis in your life we're not making judgment on the fact that you have credit cards but the the question is do you have a place or a way to Uh, eliminate or prevent future credit card debt. Because if you don't have that in place, if you don't have a debt prevention plan in place, then to go consolidate all your debt onto a 401k loan may actually just be easing your cash flow enough that it's easy to borrow right back onto credit cards and now you're into an even deeper problem. Oh my goodness, this is why I'm so glad the show's not just me. Because I was purely looking
1: at, is a 401k loan a good idea? But Josh, you're absolutely right that this is the right place to start is, is, is this, is this evidence of a past problem or a current problem? Because before you can really address the credit cards, you got to stop the bleeding to, you know, to use that phrase, you got to make sure that as soon as you pay these credit cards off, if you do a 401k loan, or even if you don't, even if you go through the hard work of paying these suckers off, that you're not all of a sudden going to fall back into credit card debt again and in the future so a budget helps with that and making sure that you've got parity there that you're not spending more than what you have coming in also a commitment to pay cash for everything as well as having the right emergency fund and right bank account structure so that's really gotta be first on the list so
2: it, you know I, I'm sure we're gonna unpack this whole 401k loan idea whether or not it's a, a good one but If we stay generic for a second and just talk about debt consolidation for a minute, do you have an opinion on that? I don't know that you and I have really ever had much conversation about this topic, but I've done a fair amount of this over the years where mathematically you say, boy, if we just consolidate all this debt down to one loan, stretch it out over this period of time, it's a low interest loan compared to the credit card debt that you're paying off, just think how much interest you're going to save by, by doing this and all the cash flow that you can free up and everything. The problem is, I, I honestly, I've been racking my brain. I can't think of a single case over the years of doing this where I, I can definitively tell you that, yep, a debt consolidation loan, yeah, it, it worked out well for someone in the long run.
1: I've had a couple that have worked out well. Okay. But for every couple that it's worked out well, there's been a handful where it hasn't. Where, actually, so uh, several years ago, houses were actually, you're not going to believe this. I hope you're sitting down. Houses were actually going up in value. (laughs) I can't, I can't believe it, but it's in a history book somewhere. And as that would happen, people also at the same time had this habit of overspending. And so you would frequently work with people or we would on refinancing their mortgage to cash some money out to pay off debt and basically wrap some credit card debt back into their mortgage and pay on those credit card, or pay that loan off over 30
2: years. But how many of those people five years later had racked up credit card debt again? Most of them. Now, there were a few. There were a few where
1: this was a legitimate help, and we were able to really pay a lot less interest and actually get all of their debt, mortgage included, paid off a lot faster. But the temptation for most was just like you're saying. So what's the real problem? And debt restructuring really addresses a symptom, not a problem.
2: That's right. And you know, quite honestly, I've decided that I am a terrible judge of who's going to be able to use debt consolidation to their benefit and who is it going to hurt in Well, because I run. like everyone. So I just yeah. assume everyone, Everyone, all, yeah, they're, you're all, fine. All those credit cards that we racked up for silly reasons in the past, that's behind us now. Well, maybe, maybe not is the is the problem. So
1: instead of consolidation, one idea could just be getting very serious about something we call a debt snowball, and which is really just a plan of, all right, what are all your liabilities, so credit cards and all that sort of stuff, and what are your monthly payments on them, and then add all that up and compare that to your budget. Okay, in your budget, how much can you afford to pay on debt? And hopefully there's some extra money in your budget that you can put on top of your minimum payments, and this debt snowball schedule shows you where which loan to apply that to, and then as you pay one balance off you've got more money freed up to apply to the next balance, to the next balance, to the next balance, and so I would get, ve- I would get very, very disciplined in that strategy and working that plan.
2: You know that system also is self-motivating as well because as you wipe out one balance and you can free up dollars to go pay on the next, it it energizes you, right? I mean, it just keeps on re-motivating you every time you reach another milestone along the way. But um, let's talk for a moment about the 401k loan in particular as a tool, Mm -hmm. because the 401k loan, it really comes with its own unique risks to it as well. It sounds really ideal because you you could tell yourself, oh, I'm going to borrow this money from myself and I'm going to be paying myself back a certain amount of interest and it's probably going to be lower than what I'm paying on all these credit cards and, and so on. So what's not to love about that? Well,
1: right? it typically is a lower interest rate, and yes, you are paying it back to yourself, but a few things that you need to be aware of is, one, there's a cost to doing it. Typically, there's a cost to take out the loan. Number two, there are certain restrictions on it uh, as far as how much you can get access to and how short your your payment is. Most people don't realize it's a five-year payback period. Right. So sometimes that, monthly payment or it comes out right out of your paycheck can be a steep amount. But then the other issues, if you ever leave your job, yeah, this is the big one. If you ever leave your job and you're never going to go back to that job, so you need to roll the money out, whenever that is, that loan is considered a distribution where it's fully taxable and penalized if you're not old enough.
2: That's right. So, you know, someone like Kristen, we don't know enough about her income situation, but it's very possible that if that scenario played out where she lost her job, she left her job, and all of a sudden the outstanding loan balance is taxed to her yeah, and penalized, and penalized. to her. That, that could be 25% of federal taxes. It could be another 5% to state and then throw on the, the painful 10% penalty on top of that. That is a nasty chunk of pain coming from using a tool with this unique risk to it. I,
1: and I'm going to go to one more negative that I think is, it can be very dangerous because I'm assuming most people think, oh yeah, I'm going to, I'll never get fired and I'm never moving on to the next job. I'll never have to re relocate. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm staying here so I can take a loan on my 401k. The other is you're missing out on the, uh, compound interest for those dollars not being in, not being in your account. And that's another hidden cost or hidden risk that most people don't really give much credence to.
2: Well, and that cuts both ways though, right? Because if you pull those dollars (laughs) out of the market and it happens to be tanking, then hey, sweet, you you dodged a bullet there. Um, But it's a good point. In a normal long-term scenario, over the course of five years, you would hope that those investment dollars in the 401k are earning something pretty decent for you. And you're limiting that earning potential by taking the loan.
1: Over a five-year payback period, you would hope that the stock market is working for you, your investments That's right. are working. So, okay, guys. Well, we've got uh, realtor Diane Bennett joining us in the studio in just a moment. She's going to be talking about selling your house as well as current state of the housing market. So we're excited with that, and we're going to hit some listener questions with her as well. So all that and more here on Wise Money with Fort and Financial Group here on News Talk ninety five three, Michigan's news channel.
0: This is Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michigan's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station.
1: Hello, folks. Welcome back to Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group here on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. My name is Mike, and I'm joined with Josh, as usual. Kevin will be back very soon, still on his hiatus from his mission trip. Diane Bennett is with us in the studio today. She was with us last week, and we're continuing the discussion right now about the housing market and specifically about if you're looking to list your house this year. If you missed anything on last week's episode uh, with Diane, feel free to go to wisemoneyradio.com and listen to that episode, or you can check out the podcast on iTunes. Or really, if you missed anything from this show, the first half has been all about 401ks, some good stuff there. So uh, check out the previous episodes as well. So, um, So Diane was on last time, but Diane, why don't you just remind everyone who you are and what your name is. Thanks so much, Mike. <laughs> I'm
3: Diane Bennett with Inspired at Remax 100. Inspired is a faith-based team of realtors working together to make real estate dreams come true. So what are yours, Mike?
2: Oh, uh, He's you living know his dream. <laughs> you know he those. is living his dream. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's awesome.
1: Alright, we're about to dive into some listener questions, but uh, Josh, did you have a question
2: for Diane real quick? I didn't catch in last week's show, and maybe you shared this, but how long have you and your team been together? How long have you been in the real estate business? yourself? You know what? You don't have to share your whole resume or anything, mm-hmm. but what's a little bit more background on you?
3: So, I've been in real estate for over 10 years. It was my husband's idea because I'm a connector and I love to help people get yes, connected. It's, yes. I, it's just my favorite thing. My yeah. husband calls me a welcome wagon. <laughs> and um, so, I've been in over 10 years. We actually launched Inspired as a team in 2010. So, Kim and Linda have been on the longest, and the rest of the team has added over the years. And so,
1: that's awesome. We talked about the benefits in the last show about having a team, which mm-hmm. I love. That I mean, we have a team approach, and we believe in that for the same reason. You want to be there to serve your clients and serve this community. So, it's all I, about you, I love that. That's right. I love that about you. So. Okay, speaking of it, it's all about you. We're taking your questions. Sarah from South Bend has the first question here. She says, it seems like the market is starting to come back. We talked about that last time as well. Hallelujah. Uh, and she says, my husband and I are just starting to think about moving. How do I know how much my house is worth and what I should list it at? Great question. I think so many people are thinking this and really don't know the first step to take.
2: Well, and it should be one of the earliest steps. If, if you're thinking about going and buying a house... The first thing is you've got to know what your budget is, and a big part of that is, yes, have a budget, a literal budget of cash flow, what can you handle as far as a mortgage, but do you know what kind of down payment you're going to be able to make on that new house if you don't know what your existing house is uh, is going to sell for? So, um, you know, we talked a little bit about that last week, but talk, talk to us more about the, the sell side, you know, deciding what is the house worth, how do you value it or price it when you're ready to put it on the market?
3: Right. So, the first thing I'm going to tell a seller is they need to talk to an agent. And the agent's going to be able to give them comparable sales in their immediate neighborhood. And you have to keep in mind, even if your home is the best on the block and very unique, the neighborhood that you're in bears factor on your home. So you're going to look at the immediate sales right around you in your immediate neighborhood, regardless of if they're like yours or not, and then go further out and look at the homes that are like yours further away from you. So that's what your your licensed realtor that does this in, day in and day out, you want someone that does this all the time, not a part-time realtor, that can really help you know what you're doing.
1: So you're saying don't snoop around at night and grab all the flyers out of the other people selling the house in the neighborhood? That's a great, <laughs> that's great question. That's a great
3: Fork question. Them. But here's the thing, are those sold? Because a lot of people do want to look on Trulia or Zillow or wherever and find out what the others are being listed for. It doesn't really matter what they're listed for. It matters the ones that sold. Ah, hmm. The ones that sold got sold for a reason. You so are
1: wise. You have earned your right to be a wise, wise Money. money. There, there you, you go. go.
2: <laughs> Is there truth to the idea that you want to have the, the ugly house on a really nice uh, block or you know, ha- have all your neighbors dragging your value up as opposed to... Josh has really been wanting to ask you this question. If you
3: want to get,
0: get sold, please, no, please.
3: if you want to get sold you do not want to be the ugly house absolutely okay. not i mean it's not bad to be the smallest house on the block but you don't want to be the ugly house 90% of buyers need vision they don't have vision on their own and you've got to see it so like let's just take a restaurant for example the restaurants that you go to that are more expensive look at the plating how does the food come out what's the ambiance in the restaurant yeah. it, it, people buy with their eyes before they buy with their cash
2: Interesting. I, I bet so, you've so. got all kinds of advice that we could get into on the process of selling a house. Then you know what? H- how do you get it market ready um, right. when when you have decided it's time to put it on the market? Well, how do you think like a retailer?
1: Angie's question is coming up uh, about that, but let let's stay here. I mean, one of the reasons why I think a lot of people are confused about what do I, what should I list my house for, is and and what's it worth? Is you've got your tax. Assessment value, which oftentimes is irrelevant. isn't, isn't right, the market value. Completely. And then in, in our industry... And
3: you yeah. want it lower than you can sell for Exactly. That's right. That's right.
1: <laughs> and then the other side is you've got your insurance replacement value, so what you're insuring the house for. Now, the trick with that is, is if a tornado wipes through the neighborhood, you don't have to replace your land. Uh, but at the same time it'll probably cost more to build the house and what it's worth. So it's it, this is a confusing thing for, for people. What else what other advice would you give? Dana? Well
3: I would say really that's why you need to talk to a professional that does this day in and day out and really knows their business and to listen to what they say. Yeah. We have sellers that list with us that won't do what we recommend. They won't price where we recommend, they won't stage what we recommend. Um th- People that are selling lots of houses are doing so because they kind of have it down. And so if you listen to them and be coachable, you're going to have a lot better luck getting your house sold.
2: So is that the ultimate benefit? I mean, I I literally this week talked to someone, uh, you know, they're considering selling their house and buying something different. And uh, the the husband made the comment, boy, I'm thinking about putting it on uh, the market for sale by owner. Uh, because I just can't stomach the idea of paying so much money to a realtor. What what do you say to someone like that?
3: So the biggest thing is maybe they can get sold and maybe they can negotiate a price because yes, in today's world, you can put it on the internet and that's where most of the buyers are going to find it is on the internet. And you might find a buyer and you might do okay negotiating. Um, the problem comes with the whole process between. Most buyers are getting a loan. It's a 30-day process at least to get a loan and they're doing inspections on your home and then you're renegotiating with with repairs and all of that kind of stuff is involved. And you really do you want to um, do surgery on your own stomach when you have, you know stomach problems or do you want to go hire a surgeon? Yeah. it's It's a question of, you know, oh, I think I can get this you know piece of cancer out of my I've got skin cancer on my arm. I can take that out myself, really? Are you sure about that? So, that's why I would hire a professional. You you actually stand to lose more money if you don't have someone negotiating on your side. Now, it's very common that a for sale by owner will get sold by a buyer's agent, and they'll pay part of the commission, but they don't have somebody representing them. Yet, you're setting yourself up for not... You don't have anybody fighting for you.
1: Right. No one in your corner with you, right? Exactly. Let me just share, uh, and Diane didn't know I was going to do this, but a quick testimonial. About what happened to me. So four years ago, we were welcoming our second child into the world. My wife is eight months pregnant, and we're like, "Yeah, let's sell our house and move." Great
0: timing. While she was pregnant.
1: So so we started. Actually, we started uh, about six months when she was six months pregnant. But we invited Diane into the conversation, and Diane did all of the homework. I wasn't. I thought it was just going to be a casual conversation, and she came in. To our kitchen table and laid out all of these comps and i'm a numbers geek she had all the numbers on here's what i think your pri- your, your house is eventually going to sell for here's what i think we list to that here's the entire strategy and i'm i'm immersed in financial stuff all day every day i had my own ideas her ideas were better than mine and then second through that entire process we were looking for that next house we were going to get and we were online <laughs> like junkies, she the house we found was the first one. Or the, the house we bought was the first one we went to. We didn't see it. She's the one that found it for us mm. in all of our hunting. So I can personally attest to the value. Good of a, I don't there.
3: always get to bring you, and sometimes I sell houses that they brought to me, just I so you'll know. <laughs> I,
1: I, and I'm sure that happens more and more with the internet. But I just right. want to share my recent experience. But and even
3: if you, even if you didn't find, you know, even if you did find your own house, yeah. Do not, if you're a buyer, please do not buy a for sale by owner house without the help of an agent. You can get an agent to help you on your side, and you stand more risk to lose money as the buyer than you even do as the seller. I just highly recommend. And when we were in the downturn of the economy, and there were a lot of short sales, which was you know pre foreclosure. I can't afford to live here anymore. I need to sell my house for less than I owe. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of those happen because they bought too high because they didn't have someone help them navigate the process.
1: Yep. I think another common question that people ask when they're thinking about selling their house is, well, do I need to update it? <laughs> do I need Great to put a, fresh, a fresh coat of paint or do I need to fix this up or that up? I know I had that question, Diane, you helped us with that. Uh, we actually have Angie's question coming up in just a minute where she asked that specific question. If you missed anything, I want to turn you back to the website and the podcast, wisemoneyradio.com. That's where you can get uh, all the previous episodes. That's where you can submit a question as well. You can also call 574-222-2000. Leave your own question. We'll address it on an upcoming show. We've got Angie's question coming up here on Wise Money with Corporate Finance Group here on News Talk 95.3, Machina's News Channel.
0: This is Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran & Keene, First State Bank,
1: Diane Bennett and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Hello, folks. Welcome back to Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group right here on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. My name is Mike Bernard, and with me in the studio is Josh Gregory, and Kevin will be back very soon, but in his stead, we've got realtor and all-around good person, (laughs) Diane Bennett. Uh, She's a realtor with the Inspire team at Remax 100. She's joining us today to talk about the real estate market and specifically answer some of your questions about selling a house. If you have a question for the show, let me remind you one more time, wisemoneyradio.com, you can submit a question right there, even get a link to all the previous episodes. If you've missed anything, you can also leave a question by calling 574-222-2000. All right, guys. Angie's question is everyone's question. Anytime it relates to selling your house, you're wondering, well... Do I need to do anything? Do I need to upgrade it? What should I do? Is that putting good money after bad? Is that a bad investment? Will I get this money back? I've heard this question a million times. I've thought it a million and one. Angie from Granger. My husband and I built our home just over 20 years ago and raised our kids in it. The youngest just graduated from college and we're looking to downsize this year or next. We still have the original kitchen, original floors and bathrooms. How much updating should we do or
2: would that not be a wise use of money? Angie, thanks for the play on words with wise money. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you know what? This, this question, it seems like most people fall into one of two camps. They're either quick to rush right out and pour a bunch of money into the house thinking that they've got to uh, almost rebuild the thing and make it more sellable. Or there's some who object to the idea of putting money into a house that they're on their way out of. And you know, they, they say to themselves, I, I hear this all the time, why would I set it up so beautiful and so nice for someone else to enjoy if I wasn't willing to do that back when I lived in the house? That's right?
3: a great question. Great question.
2: Yeah.
1: And I've often recommended that to people. If they're saying, oh, you know, we might, we've got this house project to do. I, as long as financially it makes sense and they can afford it. I say, do it now. Enjoy it. Don't just do it for the next, you know, doing granite. The, I mean, she mentions the bathroom. So doing a nice countertop on your kitchen. If you can afford it, and you're, the rest of your financial life is in good order, I say do it so you can enjoy it now. Don't just do it on your way out the door.
3: I do agree that you should do it so that you can enjoy it, I do. But when it's time to sell and you're ready to sell, I do recommend that you do it. Um, we said a little earlier that 90% of buyers do not have vision, and they can't picture it, and they don't, quite quite frankly, have time to put into renovations of a house. There are some that want to do that, and that's great. They're a different breed, and there's not as many of them out there. The majority of buyers, first-time buyers and repeat buyers, just want to move in, and it's all done for them. So, yes, I would say spend the money. Now, where do you spend the money? Hire an agent that has done a lot of sales, that knows what they're doing, that can recommend to you what what's going to give you the biggest bang for your buck and I can tell you that pretty much you know yes fresh pl- fresh paint throughout the house flooring faucets and fixtures countertops and hardware and yes if the appliances are especially old get new appliances but you can even get scratch and dent that look great because It's like you buy with your eyes before Mm. you buy with your wallet. It's like going to a restaurant and the plate is beautiful and you taste with your eyes before you taste with your taste buds. It's the same kind of concept in in buying and selling a home. My
1: my eyes are always bigger than my stomach, by the way. My parents have been (laughs) reminding me of that for a long time. But that is very interesting. I can't believe the paint as well. So much of that is particular to you. How do you
3: know what? (laughs) Great question. Great question. So I have people ask me all the time, really, this floor is not that bad. Why should I do it? I can tell you a story that I had a buyer purchase a home, and they didn't love the flooring in the kitchen. And they hired a flooring guy that I recommended because I knew him. And he goes in, and he's going to put the new flooring. And he called me up and told me, Diane... I just put a new floor in here three months ago for this guy to sell this house. Oh, that's well, wild. great, Kevin, it worked. Because what you put in was not so offensive that my buyer bought the house. It really doesn't matter if the buyer's going to change it. That's not your problem. Your problem is you want to get it sold. Mm. So trust your agent and listen to someone that knows what they're doing. Hire a professional to tell you what's going to give you the biggest bang for your buck and do what they say. Be coachable. That's a really big thing. Be coachable. Mm.
1: So when when in the process... Should you start talking to a realtor then? Because she mentions we're going to sell maybe this year or next. And you're saying before you put money in, you need to talk to professionals. So now, I'm mean, in, in Angie's case, they should Absolutely.
3: be... Absolutely. Wow. Even if it's a year or two years from now, talk to an agent now. We're thinking about doing this. I did this in my first home when I lived in Texas. Um, I loved the agent that sold us the home. I called her up after we'd been in it three years. Loved you. You're going to sell this house for us when we sell, Joan. We want to do this to update the house for us. We think this would be fun. Will this work when we go to sell? Is this going to resell well or not? And she was, you know, all over telling us what we should or shouldn't do. So absolutely call your favorite agent and ask them what their input is.
2: I, I love that idea. And I'm, I'm emphasizing this for my wife's benefit, by the way. <laughs> uh, you just validated so many of the questions that I've asked as we've been going through our own home renovation process. I've been saying, okay, what, if we put this into the house, will it make it easier to sell? And my wife, you know, kind of freaks out hearing that because the thought of selling a house that we just moved into uh, is is terrifying to her. After remodeling
1: it, I've been bringing this thing back from a flat line. So you guys have been
2: through it. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm always thinking in my mind, well... What's it going to be to sell this house? Is it sellable? Yeah. Absolutely.
3: So even if you're planning on staying there until you retire and I'm sorry to say, but die in the house, sure. so your kids are going to sell it for you someday. Right. So always be thinking of selling. When I'm working with a buyer, I'm always telling them, you know, I don't care if this is your dream home you're living till, until you die. Somebody's selling this house someday. Right. So let's buy wisely. Let's make sure that when you're doing renovations to the home, you're doing those wisely. Don't do, I just showed a house with a buyer and the floor plan in the basement was a little funky we got a contractor in there to see if we could you know make it work for them and she chose not to the it was too funky so before you finish an unfinished basement Mm. don't just talk to a contractor talk to a realtor too so this is what i
1: I was just going to ask kind of embedded in this is there an area in the house where you say no you know yes you need to update your house in general that's what i'm hearing and by the way i'm i'm surprised to hear you say that this has been Really? really helpful yeah but is there an area where you say no Don't spend any money there. Like, finishing a basement. Should someone... Is that... Because I I guess I hear there's just a lot of... tangible value in finishing a basement, but not a lot of financial value or appreciation.
3: I'm going to tell you, you should speak to an agent about your home in your neighborhood and the comparables to yours. That's it a good really, point. It's so, every single sale is so specific, and you really need to speak to a professional about your home and the neighborhood in which you sell and the comps that go with your home and what's what's your competition like. In some places, it would be worth it to finish the basement. Yeah. In other places, no, you can do it without.
1: All right. And, and one other question here relating to this and what about personality <laughs> and not, not talking about critique me, I have got plenty of issues there. That's, that's a different hour of my week. Uh, but what, you, you know, I really like this crazy blue color. And so I've yeah. painted this room that, or I've got these funky, uh, these funky counters in my bathroom and they really uh, are what I like, but they might not be marketable. Do you, what, so I would say for there?
3: your personality, best if you put it in paint. My daughter's bedroom is mostly purple, and she has a black wall that will need to be painted when we go on the market because that's not going to be you know easily resold. But that's just paint, and I can do that much less expensively than I could do you know a funky countertop that's you know crazy whatever. So yeah. it depends on the you know it depends on where you're spending the money, but you you need to enjoy your home and be personality. You know, you have it's it's your home and you need to make it your nest and you need to make it like you. So
2: is that true, though? You know, when when it's time to sell and it's time to stage the house, so to speak. At that point, how do you decide what kind of look you're going for? I mean, do you do you come in and you advise people on, hey, you need to take these pieces of furniture out, put them in storage, do something to make this room look bigger? I mean, what what what's the advice that you usually walk through for a seller in that scenario?
3: So staging is absolutely huge, um, and we have a stager on our team that goes in and works with the sellers to get the house market ready and how you stage a home. Makes so much difference. It's totally different than how you live in it. So, we had a porch once that had three windows overlooking the peacocks and the tennis courts and the swimming pool and the horse barn, you know, whatever. So, they had a sofa in the middle of the room that out, looked out onto uh-huh. the lands which is exactly where I'd put the sofa if I lived there. However, to sell the house, we moved the sofa with its back to the window so that the sofa was inviting and and made the buyer say, "Come on in this room." It's a totally different, you know, scenario right. to stage it. And so the same thing that you're thinking about when you're doing, you know, your updates to the house if you're going to do them to live in and then what you're going to do when you go to sell it.
1: That's good, good advice. Stuff. Diane, thanks for being on the show. Absolutely. I, this, this is not going to be the last time. I, I learned something from having you on last week and again this week. So thank you so much. If you missed anything on the show, go to the podcast on iTunes or check it out at wisemoneyradio.com. All right, guys. Uh, on behalf of me and Josh and the rest of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday on Wise Money with and Financial Group here on Newstalk 95.3, Miss Shannon's News Channel.
0: Securities are offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Financial advisors offer advisory services through KFG Wealth Management, LLC, doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC, Corhorn Financial Group, KFG Insurance Agency, and KFG Tax and Business Services are separate entities from Securities America, Inc. Tax services provided by KFG Tax and Business Services and insurance services provided by KFG Insurance Agency. Listen again next week to Wise Money on News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel.